So Pastor Brian Barron's introduced himself this week, the same way last week, and I'd like to do exactly the same way. So my first name is Grant. I was named Grant by my parents because they liked the way that name sound. And that's not a bad thing because according to my research, the number one reason most parents give their child their first name is because they like the way the name sounds. My second name is uh, Ernest. And it's my dad's name, so a shout out to Ernie if he's watching in Manitoba right now. And being named after my dad is cool because according to my research, the number one reason most parents give their child a second name is to honor either a loved relative or a dead relative. For the record, my dad is loved and not dead. So that's just so we're clear. My last name is Fishbook, and my last name is Weird. It's okay. You can laugh at it if you want to. I know it's weird because when my daughter-in-law and Olivia went to the Social Security office to change her name after she married my son, Braden, and she was going to shift from Sean to Fishbook, the lady behind the counter saw Fishbook and asked this question, are you sure you want to take that? Now, I'm glad Olivia said yes, but I totally would have understood if she had said no. Fishbook was not mine by choice, okay? I was born with it. I've been stuck with it ever since. My original last name was Foshbook. My great-grandfather came to Canada as an immigrant in 1927. When he arrived at the immigration office in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in Canada, the immigration officer said, you just can't come into the country with a name like that, so we needed a Canadian version. We needed an anglicized version. So that immigration officer made an executive level decision on the spot and changed the name into what he thought it sounded like in English. So Foshbook became Fishbook. And to that immigration officer, I would say, thanks for nothing, bro. You have any idea what middle school kids do to a kid named Fishbook? So that's my name, Grant Ernest Fishbook. I go by those names, but there's other names that I go by in the depth of my soul. As an insecure child with a perfectionist bent, I figured out really early that the best way to get out of trouble was to deny and lie. And I've always been a storyteller, and that means lying comes easy. I, I don't like that name, but it's there. And that's okay, because uh, I think we all lie. We lie to each other, but even in a more devastating way, we lie to ourselves. In fact, I think some of us may have lied on the way into church this morning because some well-intended person said, how are you doing? And it just poured out of our mouth. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm doing great. But I'm not sure that's always true. We have names assigned to us by other people, and they stick. And names that we assign to ourselves that we, that we stick, and we're not proud of them, they're they're not all of the names. Some of the names that we have are life-giving and full of meaning and others make us stare at the ground because we drip with shame and at some level we find that, that these kind of names are, are true. Last week we invited you into a moment with Jesus. And these are just a few of the names that your church family surrendered to God. I didn't make these up. You wrote them down and you brought them to the cross. Liar. <laughs> Unlovable. Not enough, stupid, ugly, piece of trash, guilty, murderer, invisible. Boy, I love your honesty, even though it's hard. 
Brian said this, I'm going to say it again. This series is not about seven easy steps to get a new name written down in glory. This is going to be so much messier than that. We're going to step into a process of dropping our hands and dropping our guard and dropping our natural bent direction to reject God. And we're going to take a radical risk in allowing God to rename us. The Bible says this in Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's go back to the beginning of those verses because there's a story there inside of those names. Jacob and Esau were twins from the Old Testament. We're going to focus on Jacob. Listen to the verses again. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. For context, just so you know, Jacob is going to be renamed Israel. Get to that in a moment. He who created you, Jacob. He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I bought you. I've summoned you by name. Here's a simple definition of summoned. It goes like this. Hey, come over here. Jacob, come over here. I'm going to change your name and bring all of your mess and your brokenness and your dysfunction with you. Hey, Jacob, come on over here. Jacob's name means supplanter. Now, that's not a word that we normally use in conversation. But let me give you my understanding of the Hebrew rendering of supplanter con man the bible tells us that jacob came out of his mother's womb holding the heel of his twin brother whose name was esau jacob is a heel catcher and in this culture it meant he was a con man he always had an angle he was always ripping somebody off he had this con man mentality time after time let's unpack that let's look at the supplanter living up to his name with three short stories story number one Jacob takes advantage of his brother's weakness and steals his birthright. It's a classic Bible story. Jacob has a brother named Esau. Esau is a rugged, manly man who loves hunting. And he returns from hunting one day, and he's starving. So he loves hunting, but apparently he's not very good at it, okay? Because he's got nothing to eat. Jacob sees his brother's physical weakness, and he makes a proposition. He's like, hey, Esau, you've been out hunting all day. I've been hanging out with mom around the tent. We've been making soup. Boy, bro, you look hungry. I'll make you a deal. I'll give you a bowl of this soup if you hand over your birthright. Now, let me tell you what a birthright was. The birthright allowed the oldest son in a family to have precedence over his younger brothers and also gave him a double portion of his father's inheritance. If you had a birthright, you got to sit at the head of the table. Jacob makes a deal. Hey, bro, you're not looking so good. I'll give you this bowl of soup for your birthright. Here's the crazy thing. Esau takes the deal. So apparently he's a bad hunter and an idiot on top of that. Like that's a bad deal. And we learn that about Esau, but we learn something about Jacob too. This guy is a cunning opportunist who intentionally exploits a person's weakness for his own gain. Second story, Jacob deceives his own father and steals his brother's blessing. Story gets even more twisted, okay? 
I tried to find a politically correct to describe this to you. I couldn't find one, so I'm just going to say it. And the Bible makes a big deal of it. If you don't believe me, you can go and check it out for yourself. So Esau was, was hairy. That's awkward, right? <laughs> Nobody knows what to do with that. He had a lot of body hair. Practical application. Gentlemen, if you look like a bear, for the love of Jesus, wax it or shave it. That's all I'm saying about that, okay? So... Um, Esau was hairy. The Bible says that. Jacob was not. Jacob disguises himself as Esau. He puts animal fur on the back of his hands, goes into his father who's going blind, and steals his brother's blessing. Already had his birthright, and now he's stolen the right not just to be the, the status head of the family, now he's the spiritual head of the family. And defining dysfunction, if you read the story, Jacob's mom helped him pull this disguise off. That's just twisted. And again, it tells us, this guy is willing to stoop to incredible lows to take advantage of a man's inability to see. I mean, what kind of a son takes advantage of his father's disability, his visual disability, to get ahead? You know what kind of son? A son like Jacob. Listen to this heartbreaking conversation between Esau, the brother who got ripped off, and his dad. Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Last story. Jacob leaves a trail of broken relationships and broken families everywhere he goes. Everywhere Jacob goes is a relational train wreck. Some of you get that. Some of you are wearing that name right now. You look at yourself in the mirror and all you see is this trail of broken relationships and the name tag you have to put on yourself is the name tag that reads alone. Some of you are getting uncomfortable and if you had an opportunity, you might decide to get up and leave right now. Some of you are watching online and, and your mouse is hovering towards that that, that little X in the corner that's, I'm just going to make this go away. Stay with me. God has something incredible if we'll stay in the journey. So Jacob is alone. He's alone and abandoned. He has nowhere to turn. All he has is his mess and his brokenness. And I love this part of the story. Before he gets it all figured out, before he moves in the right direction, before he starts changing himself, God shows up. I love this. Not after he gets it all figured out. Not a, no, into the moment of brokenness, the mess, the heartache, the questions. Into that moment comes a promise from God. In your outline, I called it the pivot point. God shows up in the mess, and this is what he says. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I am so thankful in this moment of history that God was God and I was not God. Because if I was going to pick someone to sit at the head of the table and create a chosen people, an entire nation, this is not the guy I would pick. Jacob, at this point in the story, can't get along with anybody. His own family 
has put a bounty out on him and is trying to kill him. This is not the person you want to sponsor the rest of your family name. Praise God, God has other plans. I mean, this is when the process of name changing begins to occur. And I wish I had time to break out the whole story. I'm just going to have to give you a quick summary. And if you want to, you can go back and check it out. Genesis 27, 28, 29, 30. God makes him a promise. I'm going to create my chosen people out of your broken mess. Can anybody imagine that, that Jacob at this moment would have had a who me moment? Like, who me? You want to pick your chosen people and you're going to pick me? Really? But isn't it interesting that we all do that? God shows up and says, you are a dearly loved son or daughter. And we're like, who me? I'm a stranger to God. God says, you are forgiven and set free. And we respond, who me? I'm still wrapped up in all my old junk. God says, you are an ambassador of reconciliation. And through you, I'm going to put the pieces of the world back together. And we're like, who me? Have you seen the train wrecks that I've created? I'm sure Jacob had a who me moment. And this is God's response. Yes, you. You see, Jacob, I'm going to rename you. And I'm going to reshape you. And I'm going to retool you. And I'm going to renovate your heart. And before Jacob can argue, God sends him walking in a new direction. And these are the instructions. Number one, go home. Jacob, I know that's scary because your family actually wants to kill you. <laughs> go home and then make peace. For my 12-step brothers and sisters in the room, God tells Jacob to do some good step work. Go home, make amends. Clean your side of the street. Repent and confess. Don't worry about their reaction to you. I will be with you. Be reconciled. Pay the price. Accept responsibility. Own your mess. Take ownership. So go home, make peace, and then wrestle. That's interesting. Wrestle. Like, is that really in the Bible? Yes, it is. Because God shows up. Anytime Jesus shows up in bodily form in the Old Testament, it's called a theophany. Jesus shows up, and this is what happens from the book of Genesis. So Jacob was left alone. There's the name tag. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Let's stop for there just for a second. This journey is not for the faint of heart. We're going to have to go back through some of our pain in order to discover the new names God has for us. Let me tell you from firsthand experience, it's worth it. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob says, Jacob, but don't forget all the other names. Jacob, supplanter, con man, out for his own good, horrible human being. What's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Here's some powerful truths we need. Number one is this. Uh, just so we're clear, Jacob did not overcome God, okay? Jacob did not beat God in a wrestling match. 
No, he's struggling for his, for, for his own identity. He's overcoming his past, his old identity, his disrespect of God's law. In essence, Jacob is overcoming himself here. And he cannot do it on his own. He needs God up close and personal to walk him through this process. None of us can change ourselves to a point that actually matters. But God can. But God can. I get this picture of wrestling with God. Okay? I used to wrestle my Uncle Mac when I was small. Uncle Mac was kind of bigger than, he was larger than life. He was just kind of a bigger guy. And when I was like four or five years old, I used to wrestle with Mac and I used to like charge at him with all of the tenacity of a four or five year old. And, and I would like come at him, I'm ready to kick and swing and bite and whatever else. And he'd put his hand out right on the top of my forehead and just hold me right out there. It's just like, that's as close as you're gonna get, little man. And I would swing with all my might and kick and try to get to him. And he'd just hold me out there at arm's length. That's what I picture God doing with Jacob. He said, come on, con man, swing, get it all out. It's time to change. Swing till you're exhausted, and then I'll hold you. So Jacob did not overcome God. Don't read the story wrong. And then God rewarded him for his tenacity with a new name. A new name to go with a new character that he's going to work on and a new devotion that's about to come. God calls him Israel, one who fights with God. I love that that is not a nice, pretty name. How would you like to be known as someone who fights with God? You know what that is for me? It's permission. God's okay with you struggling with him, that you have to battle over your old identity. God's good with that. He knows he's stronger than you are. He can work it through. Anybody else in the room ever struggled with God? It's okay, just so you know. And all of those of you that are saying, um, I've never struggled with God, I think you're a liar. Transform from a trickster to a warrior, from a thief to a man of integrity, from brokenness to wholeness. Some of you are wrestling with God right now. You've got an old name. It was the first thing that jumped into your mind when Pastor Brian started talking about it last week, and I talk about it this week. It's the first thing that jumps into your mind, but you will not lay that down. God wants you to surrender it, but you will not. Let me tell you why we struggle to lay these old names down. It's because we falsely believe that being known negatively is better than not being known at all. We'd rather be known as a liar than be invisible. So we hold on to this old stuff, and God says, no, come here, give it to me, and we will not surrender it. Sometimes we won't lay down the negative and sometimes we won't lay down the positive because we're arrogantly positive about ourselves. I'm a self-made man. I do things my way. The only thing I need from God is for him to fall in line with my wishes. I build my own empire. I am good. And God comes and says, I'm gonna need that from you because you're not all that. I am. God comes to Jacob, I created you, I formed you, I am summoning you, come over here. And we get the same invitation, and we won't, and we don't, because some, for some reason we just hold on to those negative old names that we gave ourselves or somebody gave to us, and they just stick. Sometimes we wrestle with God to give up an old name, and sometimes it's exactly the opposite. There are over a hundred names in scripture that God wants to place on us, but we battle them and deflect them. 
God shows up with a name. You're a leader. And we're like, oh, no, I'm not. God shows up and says, I've got a name for you. World changer, overcomer, ambassador of reconciliation. And you're like, nope, 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 nope. And we slap away his hand. And she's like, I am not that. God, don't put that on me. I can't even handle what I am now, regardless of that. I have a question, no matter how you're looking at this. Do you really want to spend your life fighting with God over a name tag? This is what God is calling us to. We have to release what needs to be released. That's the old. And accept what needs to be received. That's the process of becoming a new creation. This one thing I know, regardless of how you label yourself or someone else has labeled you, this one thing I know, the only name of consequence is the one assigned by God. I thought at least four people would say something like amen or something after that. Give you another, uh, I'll give you another shot, okay? The only name of consequence is the one assigned by God. I've struggled with this my whole life. I've struggled to release the old names and receive the new names. This is not easy. If you think it's easy, you are lying to yourself. Because just like you, when I look at the mirror, this is what I see. All my failures, all of my mistakes, all the hurt that I've created, intentional and unintentional, and it's like the entire world lines up behind me and points their finger and says, you are a failure you are a liar, you are broken, you are hopeless. And at some point, you have to go, there's some truth to that because I have failed and I have lied and I feel broken and it feels hopeless. But I need to remind you of something. No matter what the world says about you, no matter what you say about you, the same God who showed up and said, I'm going to rename you, Jacob, is showing up today and saying, I'm going to rename you as well. The world can call you failure, liar, broken, and hopeless, but I have another name for you. You are my child, dearly loved, worth dying for. You are an adopted kid of the king. Don't let the world lie to you. And don't lie to yourself. Years ago at a National Youth Workers Convention, Laurel and I were introduced (laughs) to a band called Lost and Found. They were the strangest ensemble of human beings that I have ever seen. Lead singer played a guitar, afro out to here, and his leg would go behind him like this the entire time he was playing. It was just odd. I'm like, what is that? Other guy in the band, one other guy in the band, big keyboard, completely head shaved, bald. He played three chords, that's it. And every once in a while, he'd go like that, right in the middle of the song, and it was just odd. They played their first song, and then the lead singer said, in case you're wondering, we're actually supposed to sound like this. And everybody's just like, this is weird. This is weird. And then he, then he tells a story, and it was a weird story. He said, so someday I'm really hoping that God blesses me with a wife, and if God chooses to bless me with a wife, I hope he'll also bless me with kids. And if he blesses me with kids, I'd really like to have a son. And if God blesses me with a son, I'm going to name him Tim, but we're going to spell it S-T-E-V-E. Stick with me, I know it's early, all right? 
And he goes, I know it's going to cause problems for my son because people are going to walk up to him and go, hi, Steve. And my son is going to go, actually, it's, it's Tim. And it's going to become even more uncomfortable because people are going to laugh and say, yeah, I, I know, kid, but it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's right here. You spell it S-T-E-V. Your name is Steve. And my son is going to have to reply. I know it's spelled that way, but, but it's pronounced Tim. At this point, I'm completely confused. And then he says this. The world says my name is liar, cheat, fraud, thief, and lawbreaker. But because of Jesus, I would appreciate it if you would pronounce it right. Because my God-given name is pronounced my child, dearly loved, worth dying for and an adopted kid of the king that's your name no grant it not. that's your name Jacob wrestles with that he struggles the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered, and all that goes with it. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Overcome. It's interesting, at the beginning of the message, we talked about Isaiah 43, and we talked about being summoned, come over here, and then God names him as an overcomer. Want a good definition of being an overcomer? You come over here when God calls you. That's what makes you an overcomer. Come over here, Jacob. I'm going to rename you. I've summoned you. I know you. You are mine. And now the process of change begins, and Jacob begins to leave his past behind. And then he enters into this process of embracing this new name. God says, you are mine. Here's my question to you in the room and those of you that are watching online. Are you his? Are you his? God named you today, overcomer. And I'll tell you where it comes from. First John chapter 5, verse 5, it says, who is, who is it that overcomes the world? Here's the answer. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. When you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have responded to his summons to come over here, and that's what makes you an overcomer. You're like, but Grant, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. The only name of consequence is the name assigned to you by God, and this is what God calls you, overcomer. So now we're going to struggle. Some of you need to lay down an old name again today. Some of you need to put your hands down and say, God, for the first time ever, I'm going to be okay with how you've named me. I'm going to receive that from you. It's a divine exchange. It's a moment of confession. The spiritual practice of confession is to surrender the old and receive the new. It's that moment when we say, God, I, I, I don't want this old name anymore. And God responds, that's good because I've got a new one for you. Some of you are watching today or you're in the room and 
And the truth is you have never started a relationship with Jesus. In your honesty, you're saying, I am not his. Today is the day when you can become his. I love the end of Isaiah 43. It says, I'm your savior. I've come to save you. And the way we come to Jesus is we lay down those old names. We lay down lost, unsatisfied, incomplete, and broken. And we receive the new names he's given us. Redeemed, chosen, loved, forgiven, new creation, overcomer. Let me read the end of Isaiah 43 again. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So once again this week, just like we did last week, We're going to give you a moment to come to the cross. None of us are strong enough to change anything about ourselves with any lasting effect. That's God's work. And he wants to exchange today that old name for a new name. This week it just happens to be overcomer. Some of you are like, I don't want to go to the front. You need to overcome your fear. And make your way to the front this morning because God will meet you here. For those of you that are watching at home, we want you to know you can fully participate in this moment by going to ctk.church named. You can do exactly the same thing we're doing here. We're gonna lay down an old name and pick up a new one. Here's what I know. Some of you are thinking, I did this last week, I'm good. Here's what you discovered. You lay down an old name on Sunday morning at 11.15 and it showed up again on Tuesday afternoon. And you've discovered this is a process. I want to encourage you, if you need to come forward and write down the same name again, that's okay. Some of you are going to bring a different name than you brought last week because the reality is we have a lifetime of names that we need to lay down and an eternity to learn the new names God has for us. So it might be the same. It might be a different, than a different one. And for others, praise God, there will be some this morning who are going to go through this naming portion and they're gonna write down that old name. I was lost, but now I'm found. And you're gonna bring it to the cross. And the reason we're bringing it to the cross is because this is where God renamed all of us. Whatever your old name was today, God's got a new name, Overcome. And now he wants to summon you. Come over here, come and meet me. Bring me an old name and I'll give you a new one. So I'm gonna invite you into that moment and, uh, and I'm gonna go first. So I'm gonna take my old pile here, which is now sticking to the table. I'll go first the band is going to come and our worship team is going to play and Andy and Randy and Olga and Lauren are going to are going to sing a beautiful song over us and I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to struggle with God God what name do you need me to lay down today because I want it to go arrogantly positive deeply negative whatever it is we're going to come together we're going to surrender and then we're going to receive a new name that we may not think we deserve but God has placed it there and I'll remind you again the only name of consequence is the one that's been assigned by God 
And people are going to move all around the room. You can see there are stations, and then we're going to bring them to the cross. There's another station out in the commons, which is available there all week long if you need to come and show up and do this. It's just a visual of what's happening in the depth of our soul, and I invite you into it. Would you pray with me? God, give us courage right now. Lord, overcome our fear, a fear that would keep us in our seed and not hand over a name that we may be so ashamed of, or maybe even a name that we think we rightly deserve. God, humble us in this moment. Bring us to the cross again. God, help us to lay it down. I thank you there is a new name for each of my brothers and sisters today. For all those that know Jesus, we are all overcomers. So God, may we overcome anything that would stand in our way right now. May we move to the cross where we find hope and healing for the beginning of this journey. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.